he is risen. And uh, I hope everyone said he is risen indeed. It is Thursday of uh, Passion Week, as it is commonly called. And I am here preaching uh, our Resurrection Day sermon. So this time in our lives continues to be so bizarre, so different from anything that we have ever experienced before. The great thing is that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single week. Uh, We as Christians celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single day, or we should, as we will learn this morning. So as I preach in this unconventional resurrection day setting, I know uh, that your heart will be rejoicing about the life of Jesus Christ, that he is alive and that he is seated right now at the right hand of his Father. Let me pray for us this morning before I begin. Heavenly Father, we come before you uh, in these uncertain times with health risks and economic risks and societal risks that no doubt go far, far beyond anything even we can imagine. And Father, we ask that you would give us the faith and the trust in you to walk with you through these difficult times. We thank you for your promises that you will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for the blessing of Jesus Christ, that we have eternal life, that because he is risen from the dead, that we do not have to fear death. We thank you for these things. I thank you for the dear brothers and sisters of Hope Bible Church. I thank you for them, even as they sit and listen in the comfort of their home this morning. And I pray that your spirit would fill our hearts this morning uh, with joy about the resurrection. And Father, I do pray. I pray for your protection upon the people of Hope Bible Church. I pray that you would protect us from the virus. I pray that you would especially protect those who are the most vulnerable among us. And Father, bigger than that, I pray that you would protect us from sin. Father, would you give us the same vigilance about sin that you have taught us uh, or that we have learned to have uh, about this virus? May we be so careful to not let sin affect our souls. Open the eyes of our hearts now. Help us to behold wonderful things as we contemplate the resurrection this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a fascinating story that was recounted in a book about preaching that I recently read. It's a true story about a man named Jimmy, and he suffered from Korsakoff syndrome. So people with Korsakoff syndrome have problems learning new information. They have an inability to remember recent events, and so their long-term memory has gaps. Individuals may seem able to carry on a coherent conversation and then moments later be unable to recall that that conversation took place or with whom they spoke. So Jimmy was a cheery, likable person. He remembered his childhood home. He remembered his friends. He remembered the day that he joined the Navy in 1943. He remembered fighting in World War II with lots of details. And he remembered that at the end of the war in 1945, he ended his service in the Navy. 
And at that point, his memory stopped. When Jimmy's story was written down by his doctor, Dr. Oliver Sacks, in 1975, 30 years later, Jimmy thought he was 19 years old, even though he was really 49. He thought Harry Truman was president, and he didn't know that someone had walked on the moon. Dr. Sachs tells of a story when Jimmy came down, came in for one of the first time and, and sat down, and Dr. Sachs showed him a mirror and told him that he was 49 years old. Jimmy turned ashen and gripped the sides of the chair. What is happening to me? Jimmy was so upset that Dr. Sachs took him outside and had him sit on a bench and spend a few minutes just gathering his thoughts. When the doctor returned, Jimmy said cheerily once again, Good morning, Doc. You want to talk to me? He had no recollection of their previous conversation, and he had no idea who Dr. Sachs was. Over the next three years, Jimmy and Dr. Sachs were reintroduced to each other over and over again. Every few moments, his world started over. He could play tic-tac-toe and checkers because those games went quickly, but he could never play chess. He would always forget what he was doing. The staff at the home where he lived referred to him as a lost soul. Without memory, we are all lost souls. And for many each year, Easter is like Jimmy's meeting with Dr. Sachs. The things that are said about Christ's death and his resurrection slip down into a bottomless pit, just like Jimmy's memory. The moment they walk out of the door of a church, it's gone. Any realizations about sin and death and the immediate need for a Savior seems to just dissipate within minutes. And they come to church the following year, and they're reminded, and they, fit, they forget again. For too many Christians... The resurrection is something that we must be reintroduced to over and over again. The interesting thing is, God knows that human beings need to be reminded. He has filled the Bible with stories and ceremonies and sermons to help people remember. After Noah's flood, in Genesis chapter 9, God sent a rainbow to remind mankind of God's faithfulness. The whole book of Deuteronomy is one long sermon by Moses given to help the children of Israel remember. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. We talked about the Ebenezer Stone uh, a couple of months ago in 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 7. It was installed there. It was, it, was, it was erected there by Samuel after that final defeat of the Philistines so that they could remember. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. In a particularly sad passage, a message to the exiles in the book of Jeremiah, those who are in Babylon, Jeremiah encourages, encourages them to not forget who they are. Jeremiah 51.50, remember the Lord from far away and let Jerusalem come to your mind. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises his arrival and says that he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, 
we are remembering Christ's sacrifice for us. I could go on and on throughout the scriptures and I could recount the times that God has stressed the importance that his people remember. Because we are all like Jimmy when it comes to spiritual things. We forget and we forget embarrassingly fast. We get up from time in the word and it's gone and we move on to something else. We spend time talking to a friend and hearing encouraging things and we get up and we leave and we forget what we've heard moments later. We hear a sermon and we think, I need to remember that. And that's the last time we think of it. So this morning, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want to focus on remembering that resurrection I'm going to do something that I don't often do. I'm going to focus on two short verses from 2 Timothy, which is Paul's final epistle. 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9. Paul writes to Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Since we're jumping into the middle of a letter, let me just take a moment to give you a little bit of context here. Like I said, Paul is writing at the very end of his life. This is written from prison, probably from Rome between 64 and 84 AD. Paul is definitely suffering, and he knows that his days are numbered. Rome burned in 64 AD, and Emperor Nero, in order to deflect criticism of himself for his handling of the crisis, blamed the Christians. And at that time, Christianity was made illegal, persecution was rampant, and this would ultimately lead to Paul's execution. So Paul is writing to his son in the faith, who is no longer a young pastor. His name is Timothy, and Timothy is still living in Ephesus. Ephesus is a church that is not without its problems. He is dealing with the impending death of Paul, his spiritual father, his mentor in the faith. And there is a trembling church that is shaken by the persecution that is coming from Nero, the highest level of Roman government. So Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him to be strong. Paul, who is facing death in a jail, writes to Timothy to be courageous. And it is in this context that Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Timothy is in the midst of, Of present trouble, you need to remember the resurrection. So I'm going to just break down these two short verses today. I don't have a clever outline. We're just going to take it apart one phrase at a time so that we can remember Christ's resurrection. First of all, he says, remember Jesus Christ. Now, I could easily go all Greeky on you right here, but I won't. I just want you to understand that Paul writes this in a way that emphasizes a continuing command, a continuing duty. Keep on remembering Jesus Christ. Keep it at the center of your thinking. As Christians, we would be perfectly justified if we always greeted one another with that coming Easter greeting. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me read from Luke's version of Resurrection Day in Luke chapter 24. Uh, Within hours of the resurrection, memory is already an issue. Uh, Chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, 
they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the two men said to them, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. I want to focus for a moment on these words. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified on the third day and and on the third day arise. And they remembered his words. I will often bring these words to your mind at Easter. Jesus told his followers again and again that he would suffer and die, and on the third day he would rise again. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, he began, or it says rather, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I do not think it is an accident that in the Gospels, the Gospel writers often put Jesus telling about his upcoming death and resurrection right up against the account of the disciples arguing about something. I'm going to suffer and die and rise again. Who's the greatest? I'm going to suffer and die and rise again. Who's going to sit at your right hand? I'm going to suffer and die and rise again. What kind of thrones are we going to get to sit on? This has distraction all over it. And you know, it results in the fact that on that morning, in spite of being told again and again, none of those 11 disciples even bother to go and see. In fact, when the women come and tell them this, it says these words seem to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. They were listening, but it went in one ear And out the other. They were preoccupied. And so the angel's message to the woman is simple. He is risen from the dead. Just like he said he would. Don't you remember? Perhaps some of you listening to my voice right now are preoccupied. Maybe you're the cook today. And you're worried about the ham or the casserole in the oven. Maybe you're a kid and you're listening because you've been told that you have to be here and listen. You're thinking about what you're going to do as soon as this is over. Maybe you're a husband being forced to listen to this by your wife or because it's the Sunday of Easter. I think about all those people in those pictures celebrating World War II and and the war is over and the troops are coming home and people are kissing and laughing and celebrating, but someone is just sort of sitting there in the midst of the good news, looking at their phone or daydreaming about what's going to happen next. 
Will you hear the greatest news in the universe this morning? That Jesus is alive. Will you let the resurrection of Christ sink in this morning so that you can spend the rest of your life remembering? For others of us, I believe we will get to heaven and find out that so many things were absolutely clear in the scripture and we either never noticed or failed to remember because we were distracted. We're going to have sore foreheads in heaven from hitting them over and over again and saying, why didn't I see that? Oh yeah, how could I have forgotten that? And so Paul exhorts Timothy in his distress, remember Jesus Christ, live with him in mind. Secondly, we are specifically told to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. There are many remarkable things about Jesus. Erica's dad always says that he's the only person who knows how to use the word incredible. Incredible, not credible. The claims we read about Jesus are truly incredible by any human standard. Son of God, Messiah, King of the world, risen from the dead. Paul tells the Romans that it is the resurrection that proves that Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus, according to Romans 1.4, was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. It is the resurrection of the dead that God is saying, this is, this is Jesus Christ and he is my son and he is who he claims to be. Once again, let me get a little Greeky here. Because Paul says literally, risen and still risen from the dead. He rose and he didn't die again. He is still alive. Lazarus was raised, but he died. Not so Jesus Christ. Keep on remembering that Jesus Christ is the still risen one. Don't let Easter be the only day you think about that all year long. Think about it all the time. How would it affect your life if you lived in constant remembrance of Jesus Christ risen from the dead? What if we never forgot who Jesus is and that he is the ever-living one? I think Paul gives us a pretty good starting place in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. Paul says, set your mind on things above. Make the risen Christ your absolute and always focus. One time, I went to Paris. I was in London with a friend, and we realized that we could take a, a cheap uh, trip through the tunnel from London to Paris on a Saturday. I don't speak French. So we rode, we arrived at a station, we came up, everything's written in French. We have no idea where we are, we wandered around the city, and finally, I saw the Eiffel Tower. I've seen the Eiffel Tower before. I'm fine to go and see the Eiffel Tower. So with the Eiffel Tower before us, we began to move towards the Eiffel Tower, and finally, 
We found it. It was our object. It was our focus. It was where we were headed. It was all that I knew to look for. The risen Christ should be a similar orienting marker in our life. Everything is headed towards him. Nothing else is certain. I I don't understand. I'm I'm not trusting any of the other uh, wisdom that is coming into my life except that which I see when I look to Christ as my orienting marker. So we set our minds on things above, knowing that our life is hidden with Christ in God. So these are heavy days. There are people out there telling us not to go to the grocery store. The grocery store, Publix, is a potential death zone. How does one protect oneself from a virus? Hazmat suits? Do we, do we vacuum seal our houses? Do we put our kids in bubbles? I saw that a, a tiger at a zoo got the virus. What will the effect of the virus be on our economy? Will it empty our bank accounts? Will we lose our jobs? Will we lose our homes? What effect will this have on our society? Will a tyrannical government replace the government we have now? Will there be anarchy? Will we lose religious freedom? And none of these things are silly concerns. Any one of us may suffer from one or more of these things, but your life is hidden with the risen Christ in God. Your whole life, he's alive And he's got you. You are in, dwelling with, abiding in, hidden in the risen Christ. He's got this. Well, David, let's be realistic. We should be anxious about some of these things. We don't want to be foolish. We want to be wise. Let me read Matthew 25, Matthew 6, 25 through 34 to you this morning. Therefore, I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yes, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not more, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm telling you, I believe when we get to heaven, this is going to be one of those forehead-slapping passages. Oh, Jesus, you had us all along. And he's going to say, Of course I did. And I told you that I did. You should have listened. You should have remembered. Our life is hidden in the risen Christ. Finally, he says, when Christ who is in you, when it was your life appears, then you will be with him in glory. The risen Christ 
is coming again. And when he appears, you will be with him in glory. He is alive and he has also said, which we also forget, that he is coming again. He has told us that he is coming to prepare a place for us. We are his bride awaiting our bridegroom who is building a room for us specifically in his father's house. And when the time comes, he will come with great glory and he will take us to live forever with him. Hope Bible Church, can we allow this current moment to be the moment that we learn to remember Christ risen from the dead? Can this be the time when we start doing what the Bible tells us to do over and over again, every single hour, every single day, remember that He is risen? Third, Paul says that He is the offspring of David. Remember Jesus Christ. The risen one who is the offspring of David. He is risen and he is king. We're we're just starting into our uh, study of David within the book of 1 Samuel. And we know that, that, that Jesus is the promised king that comes from the line of David. He is the one reigning in heaven right now and he will reign on this earth. There was a Sunday way back at Wesley Gardens. It seems like a long time ago. It was a Christmas And we spent a little time considering Isaiah's prophecy about the virgin in chapter 7. And then we went a little further into Isaiah chapter 9. And we read, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is usually a Christmas verse, right? Well, this year I'm bringing it out on Easter. Why? Because that is the risen Christ. The risen Christ is that guy, the offspring of David. He is the one upon whose shoulders the government will rest. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Is there anyone in any position of government in the whole world right now about whom you would say, I sure hope his government continues to increase? Absolutely not. In fact, less government increase would be preferred. But one day, we will rejoice as the government of Jesus Christ continues to increase forever. Why? Because he will reign with truth and justice. How nice will it be to have a king seated on the throne, ruling over the nations, who always reigns in truth and justice and righteousness. Timothy, as you look around and you see crazy Nero persecuting Christians and trouble in the church and impending deaths of the people that you love, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David. Hope Bible Church, as we look around and we see world leaders scrambling godlessly to figure out what to do in this pandemic that is threatening our lives and our society, remember that Jesus Christ is alive and he is king. What will it take 
to get these things hammered into our heads. It seems that we should hammer it by any means necessary. Sticky notes on the bathroom mirrors and on our steering wheels. He is risen. Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Offspring of David. Memorizing scripture. Singing songs about the resurrection. Text it to each other. I tried that this week. Some of you got the text. Talk about it at home all the time. Start your day with God and then get up and remember. I almost stopped there this week. That was going to be it for the sermon. But as I looked at the end of verse 8 and and verse 9, I decided that there were two good points of application here for us to close on. Paul continues to say, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. What is your gospel? Paul says, this is my gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. And as you know, the word gospel simply means good news. That's Paul's good news. What's your good news? What's your gospel? What are you hoping for today? That everything will go back to normal? That the economy is going to rebound? That a vaccine is coming? I don't know about you, but I can see in my own heart that I may have become a little too comfortable and a little overly confident that everything in this world was just going to keep going the way that it was going. More and more comfort, more and more prosperity, more and more health and wellness. And I think God has sovereignly and providentially reminded the church that things in this world are not as firm as they seem. Here's another thing Jesus told us that we tend to forget. Don't build your house upon the sand. Build your house upon the rock. All other ground is shifting sand. That everything in this world would continue as before is not good news. It's false assurance. It fails to remind us that we will all one day die and stand before God without any of that prosperity and that comfort that we've enjoyed. The world as it is today will pass away. Nothing in it can be your hope. Paul's gospel is that Jesus died and rose again. Sins forgiven, death defeated, real hope restored. We will be raised from the dead, greatest king ever. Is that your gospel? It should be. And for Paul, it was the gospel that he was willing to die for. Secondly, Paul says, the word of God is not bound. What a fitting way to end this morning to point out Paul's final words here in these short little verses. He is sitting in a prison cell in chains as a criminal. No Netflix, no Hulu, no phone or video game system. Actually, no bed, no food, no restroom facilities either. But he affirms the word of God is not bound. We may be stuck inside right now. We may be unable to gather, but praise God, God's word is not bound. The gospel is not bound. People around us, maybe even in our homes, need to hear the gospel more than ever. They are feeling the shifting of the sand, but they don't know about the solid rock who is Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. 
I believe God is doing something in our society. I believe that God is doing something at Hope Bible Church. And we can affirm that God's word is not bound. The government may have asked us not to gather this Easter, but nothing can keep the message of the risen Jesus Christ under wraps. Don't be like Jimmy today. Don't get up from listening to this message and forget. Don't move on as though all you remember are only the things pertaining to this life and not your new life in Christ. Don't live in the past, mired in past sins and failures. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, and let your whole life be oriented by that news. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me pray. Father, would you give us, as you have promised, memory. You have sent your Holy Spirit. You have said that he will bring to remembrance all that our Lord has told us, all that you have revealed to us. Bring to remembrance. Father, may we be people who work at remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you and we thank you that that tomb is empty. We praise you and we thank you that Jesus Christ has ascended and that he is seated at your right hand. We praise you and thank you that he is coming again. Come quickly, risen Lord Jesus, offspring of David. Come and set to right this world. Reign. May the government finally rest upon your shoulders and may you reign in truth and righteousness forevermore. May the increase of your government never cease. We praise you. Amen.